When Heather Reisman asked Malcolm Gladwell what compelled him to write the book, Talking to Strangers, what we should know about the people we don't know, he said he loves a good spy story. And he started asking himself the question, why do so many spies go undetected for so long? A really good spy has to understand human psychology, how to leverage it and undermine it. A really great double agent has to understand trust, how to earn it, how to leverage, and then have the chutzpah to trample right over it. So that's what gets us to stay up late into the night, turning the pages until the very end, when the book that we're reading is fiction. But this book is not fiction. And it went about steadily attacking and disassembling a core concept, that of trust. The very trust that we rely on to create a society within which to function. The trust we use to develop a tribe or a community of people like us. It describes some historic deceptions. Did Hitler dupe Neville Chamberlain outright at the start of World War II? Or did Chamberlain misread the situation as he put his faith in mankind, grasping as he was for a hope of peace? It assaulted everything I wanted to believe in about trust, the goodness of mankind and human interactions. No, this book is not fiction. Between the two covers, it analyzes and then connects back the dots on some of the most depraved cases in recent memory. It's littered with words like callous, monstrous, depressing, assault, all describing real-life cases. The Stanford rape case, the betrayal of adolescent trust by Sandusky and by Larry Nasser are all carefully deconstructed. I warn you, it's a lot to take in, especially all in one sitting. I recommend you split the chapters with occasional forest bathing to cleanse and restore your soul. In the closing pages of his book, he talks about the conundrum, the fact that we operate on trust. Historically, that trust was built over time and contained within geography. It meant that we understood the parameters that influenced our neighbors. But now, we are a global society. Our lifestyle means that we are no longer living in villages or in tribes. And even those of us who choose to live remotely are invariably connected to a more global society by Facebook and Amazon. As a means to navigating this more rapid, complex, and transactional world, we have to default to trust. We all do our due diligence of a nursery before placing our children there, but we assume that the school has done theirs in hiring a reliable portfolio of staff. Strangers to us, but people who we trust will not hurt our children. We default to trust when we board a bus or a plane in the expectation that the driver or the pilot, a stranger, is not scheming in some way. We've evolved to a point where we send our youth to universities without archaic chaperones. We default to trust when we place our young gymnasts in the care of a doctor who serves the Olympic team. After reading this book, you may feel betrayed, unwilling to create a relationship even with those around you, wary of entrusting your children to those you do not know well, analyzing each and every email and interaction carefully. You may recall Steve Jobs' Stanford commencement speech in 2011. 
where he said, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. Gladwell's use of stories captures the imagination and gives credence to his crazy way of connecting points. In both his podcast, Revisionist History, and his book, Gladwell has the luxury of looking back. The nature of reviewing an event and unpacking it, which causes us to question. If we knew then what we know now, could we see where and whether we would have written history differently? I mean, some cases are sad and graphic. Each one forces you to question. If it was so clear looking back, why was it missed in the moment? And so we return to the discussion on the default to truth. Books like this ask, what can we learn? Can we prevent tragedies such as these from happening again? And the answer is yes, but it comes at a huge social cost. We could all choose not to default to trust, to abandon trust as a defense against predation and deception. But how would that improve or hinder the machination of our society? Gladwell shows us through the life of Harry Macopolis in the Madoff case, what that level of distrust does to an individual. So then, are these terrible cases the price we pay for a more modern global society? We leave with as many new questions as the old ones that went answered. If we all become a lot more distrusting and wary of each other, we may be able to prevent these situations. And then the reverse also becomes true, as we see in the analysis of the death of Sandra Bland, a sad and pivotal story told repeatedly through this book. Brian and Sinia followed a set of recommendations based on an experiment, an experiment designed to reduce crime in inner cities, an experiment that rapidly expanded to most corners of the U.S. At its core, this protocol required that officers start their interactions from a position of distrust, questioning everything. This book has highlighted an issue that has become typical and repetitive recently. Smart human beings, in their quest to optimize, reduce friction, and solve problems such as high crime or leveraging a lack of personal data, have come up with some great ideas. The available processing power has meant that we can mine this information for patterns and create assumptions. These then get deployed as solutions. Then, due to their success, they get replicated. But in doing so, they get decoupled from their original intent and end up having a ripple effect that was not at all intended. These are the algorithms that are beginning to run our financial lives. They pass our resumes before a human eye ever sees it, and they funnel our purchasing decisions. It's only in hindsight that we will be able to see the implications of such decisions. But for now, a lesson from this book is that we need to be challenging ourselves at every stage. The answer to can we do this is usually yes. But should we do this? And again, should we still be doing this? There are no easy answers, but we need to keep asking these great questions. This book affected a core teaching in my workshop. The need to network as our work cycles become increasingly transactional and short. How should I change my advice going forward, I asked myself. 
How do I coach shy young adults on how we reach out to strangers? As we talk about improving our ability to find work in a new future of work and gig economy, extending our circle of contacts is a key technique for success because after all, it's a numbers game. But now I can see I'm going to have to add in Malcolm Gladwell's advice. Whether it's as a result of an algorithm or a person, Gladwell reminds us we can choose to become more paranoid and distrustful of each other. Or we can still choose to engage in the world and with humankind. Remembering, as he pleads, that the right way to talk to strangers is with caution and humility. How many of the crises and controversies that I have described would have been prevented had we taken those lessons to heart, he asks. Well, that's it for today. I'm your host, Karina D'Souza from Tilt the Future, and I'll see you next time.